Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week, we are kicking off a conversation about our newest series called Between You and Me. It's a relationship series, specifically those uh, romantic relationships, marriage, and finding someone to marry and all of those kinds of things. And this week on our episode, we're actually talking a lot about singleness because believe it or not, one of the biblical ways you can approach marriage is to just not get married. That's actually one of the options. And so we're going to talk about the complexity of that, the confusion of that. We're also going to answer some of your questions that are a little bit less related to singleness, but more about um, when is it okay for divorce to take place? So without any further ado, let's dive into this week's episode on the new series. Ta-da! Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To what? What are we welcoming you to? Here I am on a red couch, and we're going to talk about theology. I love it. And an ugly, uncomfortable red couch. I'm starting, I'm trying to get used to it. It like. If we got rid of the red couch, would we have to rebrand? If I got rid of the red couch, I would not have to go to the chiropractor anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I believe you always need the chiropractor. I don't sit on the red couch and I still need the chiropractor. Well, I am dressed, for those watching a video, I'm dressed up a little bit. I got actual nice shoes on and pants on. I'm going to a fundraiser for Graceful Cafe, one of our partners tonight, which is the last. And you are teaching a seminar. So if you're watching live and want to come to a seminar Creation Care Seminar, we're going to talk about ecology and theology and and politics. It'll be great. I love it. That's going to be so fun. Uh, I would be that if I weren't somewhere else. Yeah. I hear there's quite a few things going on tonight. So So if you're one of the few people that doesn't feel like you have an invite tonight, (laughs) you have one to Creation Care. That's right. Here in 6510. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Are you recording it? I think we're going to record it mostly so that John and I, who I'm partnering up with, John Hicks, um, and I can sort of just evaluate how we did. Because it sounds like there was a decent amount of interest in the subject matter yeah. from some folks and maybe not everyone got it on their calendar. So we mm. might do it again in the future. That'd be so fun. Um, on a day that I could come, hopefully. Maybe we'll see um, this. Yeah. So yeah, we're not here at this particular podcast, although he did suggest we start a podcast about it, or maybe he can make a guest appearance on this podcast that, uh, yeah. about the subject. Just what you need, another thing to do. <laughs> I was like, God, I actually really like doing podcasts, yeah. and it would just be, it would be fun, but I ain't got no more time. You ain't got no more time. I if barely have enough time negative. for you, Alex, but I make sure that I am here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and all the extensive prep we both put into this podcast makes it all yeah. run smoothly. We, I, you know, we were up at 4 a.m. this morning, yeah. frantically studying and prepping for this time so we start a new series this sunday we uh obviously resurrection sunday was a week and a half ago this sunday at south new series we begin eastertide this like movement that leads us through to pentecost in the church calendar if you're unfamiliar church calendar put together by people way smarter than any of us in this room uh, that recognized uh, life has this flow to it this seasonalness to it yeah. and the church Life of learning is no different. So Easter tide happens, it's followed Easter happens, it's followed by Easter tide all the way through to Pentecost and then into normal time. Um, so for this Easter tide, we decide I decided 
Uh, I guess we will. I can take the blame. It's in the job description. Uh, it's in the job description. <laughs> uh, we were going to look at relationships, specifically of the romantic kind. Yeah, which I I mentioned that to someone. They're like, not all marriages have to be romantic, and I was like, oh come on. Mm, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, a terminology. Yeah, it is a terminology. Use, and there's moments in a marriage where you may not feel that at a given moment, but it's. Hopefully, and I guess the question is like, so what? What's the like, what's the antonym for Plutonic? Yeah, that's a good question. So like, whatever that is, like, because it feels to me like romantic is the antonym. Like, so you know, you, huh. you have relationships that are uh, Plutonic, and you have relationships that are romantic. Now, I guess you could use sexual instead, but I know a whole bunch of people that would just have easily said, not all relationship marriages have to be sexual. Like, I mean, yeah. it just like... Like, how do you describe this? You can't win with people. Marriage series. Sheesh. Like, <laughs> Non-platonic relationship series. <laughs> but wait, my marriage is platonic. Oh my goodness. Oh. Nothing I can do with you. Yeah, um, I don't even remember who it was that said it. So You know why but. Jesus responds with that moment with his disciples? You foolish generation. How long <laughs> must I put up with you? Um, oh, man. Life of a pastor. Yeah, so uh, you decided to do something sort of strange for a marriage series. And you kicked off the series by not talking about marriage. <laughs> I guess I kind of talked well, about marriage. Oh, well. well, you, all right, in fairness. Uh, so if, if you weren't there, I'll give my semi-comical short version of the message. One of the, one of the proper and healthy biblical approaches to marriage is to just not do it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good, How's that? That's a good definition. Yeah, like one that. of the biblical options is to just not be married. So what well, we did, we did talk about like the, the tension with, um, make sure we actually have audio. Yeah, we do go carry I on. Love it. Uh, we did talk about the tension that's created by both Jesus and Paul around marriage that there's not really a society that says don't get married in that ancient Near East world. Now there are places where like you might see people, you know, they might go into like, um, in some cultures, you might be a, a temple virgin or something like that. There was like a place for making some kind of celibate life decision, but it was very, very rare. It certainly wasn't a general move that people would make. So, so you can look at Jesus' world and say, if you are of a certain age and not married, something's probably gone wrong with the system. Um, yes. Like something for you, something's like there's been a, like in modern sense, a failure to launch or whatever, like, you know, and, and there was a fairly big age gap. So guys would apprentice as a career with their father or someone in a family. Uh, they would maybe go into the priesthood or something like that. And they would get married maybe around late twenties, early thirties. Women would get married mid to late teens. Um, so, it will be a woman marrying a guy who is somewhat at least established. And there's a, still a connection to the father's house and all those different things. And the bait of, yeah, but not a lot of like, yeah, I just decided marriage wasn't the pathway for me because why would you do that? I mean, like, well, because they didn't have dating apps, obviously. <laughs> yeah. If only like how do they meet people Tumblr in the first century? How they, Tumblr. Is that a thing? Tumblr. Tumblr, is that a dating app? Yeah, loosely. Yeah, it's Tumblr. like kind of like, isn't it? No, no, Tumblr was the blog post. What am I thinking See, of? We're such pros at this dating yeah, app clearly, situation. Yeah, this we don't even know the name. Married in 2000. Give us a name of a dating app. I don't even know isn't of one. Isn't Tumblr a dating app? I thought it was, was a like, blogging app. 
<laughs> okay, what am I thinking of then? What's the dating app? Uh, that... The famous one? Yeah. Tumblr is a... Yeah, Tumblr's definitely that. There's... Well, what's the one where you get to swipe left or right? I don't know. <laughs> I feel All like right. we suddenly feel very feel out like of touch with culture. We definitely need to... Well... <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing that you and I don't know how to do use dating apps. Yeah, I, I considering what, what, we were already established in our marriages prior to dating apps apps even being in a thing. Yeah, Tinder. Tinder. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's close to Tumblr. There you go. Anyway, I had a I had a <laughs> friend who was uh, in a relationship who had Tinder, and he said, "Oh yeah, it's just for making friends." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what they all say." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the the what so, so if you if you chose cel if you were uh, single if you were celibate in that world um, there wasn't really it wasn't like you would say oh I'm going to do that so I can spend more time with your friends or with my friends because relationships often like clan based people were all married so it was all married couples there wasn't the kind of options that we might be presented with today. Interestingly, and I was intrigued by this, I didn't really know how to talk about it. In terms of pure happiness, I read last week, men that get married are happier and women that get married are less happy. I wonder if that's a generational thing though. I could see that, yeah. Also, I heard this, you know, this is one of those statistics that you kind of like see like on a YouTube video or something. You're like, heh. There might be a 5% chance that the statistic is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, I heard... the statistics the, on statistics? Yeah the, yeah, the statistic that I heard was that 70, somewhere between 70 to 80% of all divorces are initiated by the woman huh. in our day and age. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know, know how that fits that. with our conversation yet. Yeah. But there but you go. That's quite there's a, there's a potentially unreliable statistic for you. <laughs> so the theory behind like why women were less happy when they got married was um, for men, that happiness usually comes in marriage because they become more risk averse and they work harder because they've got people to support. So they make more money. And because of those two factors, they live longer. Um, so, so that was the general like understanding of the, the data for men. The possibility is that women are less happy because most men are just like children in bigger bodies. Um, so I, I think like when I know some of the guys I know, I'm like, yeah, if a woman ended up married to you, she probably would be less happy um, <laughs> because you basically come home from work and you start playing computer games and you do that all evening and that's your contribution to family life and that's it. Uh, so I could see that a little bit. Like I could see... The, yeah. the lack of like growing up in a whole generation of men maybe is as a little bit of that. But regardless, the, the, the choice now of like, am I going to be happy if I get married? That wasn't really the processing as I would understand it in the first century. It's not people looking at like the happiness quotient and trying to make a decision based on like, what's the best possibility for me? Women who didn't have parents who were still alive who weren't married, had no opportunity to make an income in any way that was healthy. Um, and so they, they had to get married. And men wanted children, so their family legacy could continue. There's, why would you not get married? There was no option for that. Yeah. And so then Jesus wanders into the scene and says, you might want to think about not getting married. Yeah, which was mind-blowing. So it's in the context of this passage, right, that we're 19? Yep. Is that is Yeah, that 19 correct? 1. 
Oh, shoot. What did you do? Well, we're still there in the bottom corner, but I forgot to do this little fancy trickery where I go, boom. <laughs> there you go. All right, so um, Jesus is being asked by the Pharisees about the subject of divorce, and then... Um, Those Pharisees with their questions? Yeah. And it, it's so pretty clear. Like, they what were was the section specifically you were talking about where... So as it gets, the disciples come back with a statement after he paints a picture of the permanence of marriage, which was new information as well. So everyone had got fairly comfortably into this sense of like, yeah, if you don't want to be divorced, if you don't want to be married anymore as a guy, just send your wife a, a certificate of divorce. She can remarry. People know she's free and you can go marry someone else. Um, yeah. That was, that was culturally appropriate in the moment for a whole bunch of people. Yeah. But um, what's the piece where he says, so, so, so after, after Jesus says, no, 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 God called two people together. They were supposed to stay together. Like essentially like paraphrasing in marriages for life. Um, let no one separate the people God has joined. The disciples then make this kind of statement question. Oh, that's so they this say, yeah. So here. they say to him, uh, "Well, if that's the case, yeah. If this is the situation between a, a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry." Yeah, almost like they're almost like who would sign up for that kind of permanence? Like who would sign up to a relationship? These with are no the founders of moment? the early church. <laughs> Like super pro divorce, yes. super pro personal freedom. And and then and so that that then Jesus in the aftermath says, um, not everyone can accept this. Now this passage is a little bit controversial because you have to decide what Jesus is talking about. So if Jesus is talking about the Pharisees' question still, then you read it as, yeah, marriage is just really, really hard. And not everyone can accept that you shouldn't get divorced or you shouldn't yeah, break this, up a marriage or you shouldn't do dot, 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 dot. Yeah, this section here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not exactly. everyone can accept this word. So the question is like, what's this word talking about? Is it talking about what he said? Or what? The, or what the disciples have said? Okay, and what's your conclusion on that? What did you decide? Well, I decided it was what the disciples had said, which is the like the the way I guess it reads most obviously Absolutely. to me at least. But I, I mean, you could easily dig up a fifty fifty split on this, but and in some ways, it doesn't change like the permanence of marriage aspect, but it does change the 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 value of singleness so like where, where where the my reading makes more sense is like is in verse 12 because he then goes on to talk about for there were for there were eunuchs that were born that way there were eunuchs that have been made eunuchs by others have you got the message version of that i think i do let me check because that like i think does a really good job of trying to give some kind of like non-eunuch language <laughs> the text <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever you read a passage like that you you always just happen to like catch the eye of some parent who's sat next to their nine-year-old who's like what's a eunuch? great i have to go home and have a conversation <laughs> about what a eunuch is uh i don't uh, actually in this software but i could pull it up pretty no no no, no. i bet here. i could pull it up quicker so let me just all do right it. fine it's a bible drill <laughs> <laughs> sword drills sword drill um 
This is where I realized like my my Bible app on here isn't downloaded. All right. You're watching us do a sword drill right on the spot. Oh, oh, I'm pretty close. No, I don't have the message either. The message. Matthew. Come on, root for me, people. I got it. Vote for Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm so close. Well, I've got it on the screen. <laughs> But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. Now, I think like... I don't know if that's where he lands in my reading, like the end, the very last part. Um, I feel like he kind of paints both as equally good options. I don't think he says just do marriage if you can. The one who can accept this should accept it. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, like what a, what a fascinating passage, just like how, how, it's, how its meaning changes depending on like a couple of... Oh, words. that's tiny. All right. So we're going to pause our... our our um, podcast from a, while we do a Bible study. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> like, I, all right, I got to be careful. Like, I've got my, I'm about to bust out the Greek and yeah, start studying. I'm going to double check yeah, yeah, Alex's yeah. work while on the podcast. Um, oh, no, don't do that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, you were basically saying that this was a, well, one, culturally, this is a shocking option. Yes. And then two, it's not only just an option that Jesus presents as, as viable. It's like, this is okay, fine. You yeah. guys could be single. It's like, no, this is actually a potentially really kingdom, kingdom beneficial kingdom yeah. option is singleness. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and where like where a, a New Testament scholar would have a field day with especially a. Um, like someone from the Jesus seminar movement, which was a very liberal movement that kind of tried to reduce down everything in the gospels to things they actually believe Jesus would have said. And of course, fascinatingly, he said all the things that they thought he could possibly have said, which <laughs> you, you could never quite figure out like the chicken and the egg of that. But, but the, there'd be some people that would say, well, clearly this is written back in because it's very much a church teaching, not an original Jesus teaching. And certainly Paul pushes far more deeply into the, the benefits of not being married than just this little clip of Jesus here. Yeah, so then you get to 1 Corinthians right? 7, uh, and then suddenly you're in territory where, no, he's not even just saying this is a possibility. He's very decidedly actively recommending it. Yeah. So that's when we've got this one here. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried. Ooh, shocking. Yeah. So he takes that maybe seed. Sorry, I got to shut my little Greek lexicon here. So he may take that seed that Jesus plants there, you know, and he expands it and he makes it real explicit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so that, that, like, for us, like, trying to read that in the 21st century, how do you... How do you live out that? Like, how do any large percentage of us live out that? When from almost our earliest moments, we're told that almost everything revolves around finding 
someone to be married to or to be in relationship with. Like you think of a movie that doesn't end with some kind of like two characters coming together. And, and it, even if, if, even if that's not the way that it's like, if even that isn't the central moment of the movie, like there's, there's some element to it. Like think about independence day, human race surviving against alien conquerors and yet two people fall in love at the end of it. Oh um, well, yeah. That's because they've got a market to both demographics. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But like <laughs> the lion like, King about a lion coming back to take over his kingdom. Yet he also falls in love at the same time. Exactly. Like You've got a market to the, 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 to, the to the romantic. There's arts. almost nothing that we're try and find a book that doesn't center around two characters like ending up together. Now that it might end up in in tragedy, but they still came together at some point. Like almost yeah. everything that we read tells you that the central purpose of human beings is to find someone to be with in a non-platonic relationship or whatever we're calling it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I I can totally see that in media and books, in literature, in storytelling. <laughs> That's a pretty big ch chunk of like... Yeah, but societally, there's a whole wave of people saying, yeah, no, no, marriage is definitely not something... Oh, yeah, but only, be, only because like they've moved from... So, so one of the things that we have to appreciate is in the first century singleness as the options that Paul and, and um, Jesus present is synonymous with celibacy and abstinence. Yes. So to, to be a healthy part of society, you can't say, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting married because I just want to sleep around. Like in the first century Jewish world, that gets you stoned. Like, <laughs> like, like that, that gets you at least like rejected at the water gathering place like the woman at the well like it just you know i mean yeah the, well, the, maybe for the woman yeah not necessarily for the guy unfortunately yeah but even the man <laughs> but, like like he has yeah, no, no he has no heirs yes like totally. like that that's like a different motivator yeah you you, you are definitely you're, you're definitely not categorized in the blessed community totally um so 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 our view of like i don't want to get married so i can sleep with lots of people while for most people, they still hold on to a, I'd love a happily ever after. Um, yeah. Now, fascinatingly, like to, to nerd out on data a little bit more, uh, women who've only had one sexual partner or less when they get married are the least likely to get divorced. Women that have had between two and four sexual partners are the most likely to get divorced. Um, more so than women who have had five or more sexual partners. Um, and the only extrapolation that the writers could gather from the data is like, the first person is someone who thinks that sex is very serious and very much centered around lifelong commitment. And so they go into it with that point of view. The group with two, between two and four partners are a group of people that have looked at, have been in a relationship and said, no, I can leave this relationship for another relationship. And then the group with five or more are the sort of people that have said, no, I have no interest in getting married. And something has happened to them that's moved them out of their general pattern of behavior. Shockingly, probably surprisingly to them, one guy has stood out of the many and said, oh yeah, I'm going to marry this person. Um, which again, just yeah. fascinating, like nerd data moment. That is interesting. Um, huh? But yeah, that, that... What about for the guys? They didn't study it for the guys in the study that I read. And, and 
like I'd love to know, but guys are, yeah. Guys, guys, guys don't have brains. The, so um, They don't. No. And, and there's, <laughs> the, there's a whole bunch of secular argument. And, and again, like coming from a biblical point of view, I don't agree with it, but there's a whole bunch of secular people that argue guys aren't made for monogamy. Um, yeah. Which again, like, yeah. If you want to go to like survival of the fittest or so yeah. sort of an evolutionary um, perspective, you actually think that, you know, a guy is actually biologically inclined to attempt to procreate with as many yeah. as possible. Yeah, just because the odds of survival of your species, your clan, whatever, are greater. Um, but but yes, so I would suggest we live in this world where everything tells you you're supposed to live happily ever after and you're constantly waiting for that to happen. Um, so why would you pick singleness today, I guess? Is yeah. the question I was trying to wrestle with when clearly Jesus and Paul say it might be a really good option. Like percentage-wise, they, they don't give a percentage. Like the Bible's not interested in percentages. But but you get like the feeling from Paul of like, yeah, like you should consider this. Like maybe it's 50-50, you're on the fence and I'm going to nudge you towards the singleness, celibacy, abstinence side. And yeah, if you were to ask people in churches today, like maybe you might meet 1% a stretch that would say, yeah, I feel like I have a call not to get married. And and so what I was trying to yeah. wrestle with from like a, a church point of view for us is what have we done that makes that so intolerable? Intolerable. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, well, I think especially in the church, at least in the in modern times, and maybe this has been a pretty true thing for for much of church history, it is still maybe especially since the Reformation, um, it's just a lot of people would say that the church is a place for married people. Yeah. And so if you're single, it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, um, so if you guys listening or watching didn't catch that, until the Reformation, the, the single people sat at the front of the church. They were the most able to be discipled. And the married people were the second-class citizens. Um, they yeah, sat at the so, back. Yeah, where where was that information from? Because you know, I'm gonna have to dig it out. I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember where I get every piece of information. Because well, I, I was get. talking to someone about. They're like, I've never heard that. I want to look that up. And I was like, I don't know. So yeah, I've got it in my anyway, notes somewhere. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Now we're exchanging. Like we, yeah, we did a Bible study. Now we're gonna like pause <laughs> the podcast and go do a little historical. I feel like study. I should just have I've had it ready to <laughs> ready to quote. Oh man. Um. So, all right, you said something, though, that I'm like, mm, I'm a little unsure about. Like, obviously, it doesn't say statistics. It doesn't mm -hmm. say, I think, that maybe there should be 50-50. Um, he definitely says it's a totally viable option, but then he also says that if you have any burning with lust, mm -hmm. that you should just get married. Mm -hmm. And I think statistically there... How many people are actually just not able to have that same? Oh yeah, that's urge? fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and then if then if you were to apply a statistic, you might be like, yeah, it could be up to fifty fifty, but it's probably going to be like ninety ten or yeah, eighty. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, 20. yeah. Okay, so may, and I could come board with that. I would still suggest it's not. We're not even at that in the church, and and oh, I think some of it is like. Even if you're someone that say, I don't burn with passion. I feel like I can control this passion. I feel like I can make this choice. I think what we add to that in church today 
is that as a as a single person, you get left pretty isolated in the church world. Totally. Um, like there's that, like, you know, that, that moment. And we actually, t TV shows have even pushed into this. Like you'll see, um, like maybe there's a group of six friends in a series, liking friends. Um, and, <laughs> and two of them start dating each other. And then two of the others are already dating. And suddenly those two couples are like, oh yeah, we're just hanging out just as us couples. And there's the people on the fringe that are like, wait, what, what happened to me? Um, yeah. and church is even more um guilty of that i think we just find ourselves like like draws to like uh, and including a single person in uh, in like as a third wheel or a fifth wheel or however we might characterize it is just is yeah. pretty difficult for us to do um so then um one of the reasons why someone would choose to be single is to be focused on the kingdom and so is like how so how do we reacquire because a, a lot of people who they just find themselves single it's not a choice yeah um but they're single and they're follower of jesus um how how would you recommend they navigate this decision making process and then if they decide okay maybe not forever or maybe yes forever i'm just gonna i'm gonna make the decision that right now i'm single and i'm gonna lean into this invitation that jesus and paul have made to be about the kingdom what does that actually look like for that person are they just the top volunteers at the church that's a great question i love that question do we take advantage of them because they have more time on their hands yeah because i've heard some single folks complain about that kind huh. of attitude i might say i never get those kind of complaints bring the complaints to you that yeah yeah i think we should problem solve that a little bit um i think we should we need to get a, a single <laughs> person in here to answer this question because i don't feel like we're qualified to answer but it, i think there's other attentions involved in this there is definitely some other tensions involved in it i i think that there is you're right we we, we can certainly go down those routes and then we we almost like so first i think we have to stop treating people that are single with the suspicion of, oh, what, could you just not find anyone? Did the right person ever come up? Like, like that, that, like, that's definitely in our language, that, that kind of assumption behind it. So, so however you normalize it, like it has to be normalized if it's ever going to, to have people say, no, I can opt into that. Totally. Um, and you have to find ways to make community about more than, than, relationships and that's always the tension with doing something like a relationship series when we were doing this like part of my feeling was well we almost don't talk about marriage because we're embarrassed for the single people in the room um like and we've yeah. done series like we did a series like was it last year the year before on friendship because we specifically didn't want to do marriage as a conversation we've done series on like emotions and relationships and stuff like that and yet most people are married the problem is like when we, you guys have been in small groups in the past. Um, I, I'm in a small group for couples right now. When we get together, we tend to talk about our married lives. And and then especially if we've got kids, we've got four groups in our, four couples in our group. One of them are don't have kids uh, and three of us do. We spend a lot of time with our group revolving around our kids. So we tend to default to like the traditional family unit really easily. Yeah, um, totally. And our conversation becomes all through the lens of 
how do I follow Jesus as a parent? How do I follow Jesus as a married person? Um, without any sense of like, no, no, we're all actually just people following Jesus. Um, and I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, so some of the invitation under the surface of your message was sort of like this invitation to, you know, this is both options are can be God-honoring, kingdom-advancing, um, we need to stop ostracizing one or the other. Because I've I've also had single folks kind of get a little bit ticked off that I could never hang out with them. Yeah. Because I have kids. Yeah. And a, and a spouse to spend time with and invest in. And they're like, man, you're just like never available. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good for you that you are. Yes. But, and so there's like this... There, both sides of this scenario can have... a Look, look across the... To the other side and say either the one negative response is the grass is always greener oh i i'm single and i wish i was married the grass is always greener or i'm married and i wish i was single because i had one more time and freedom me and self yeah that, both of those are pretty unhealthy responses but the other other side can be true too it's like oh man i'm glad i don't have to I, i'm glad i have all, all the freedom i want to do yeah, it totally. And so support and Paul like seems to push this as an interesting spiritual practice. It's like one of those underrated ones, I would guess. Like he he pushes this idea that like contentment in the situation you're in is actually possible. Um, yes. Like be content where you are. And I actually the best piece of advice I ever had given to me when I was probably. I think I was 19, was desperate to meet someone and had this plan I was going to be married by 22. Um, why I thought that, I have no idea. Huh. Um, and um, probably because I was a guy and desperate to have sex. Um, and in a Christian <laughs> world where he weren't allowed to. <laughs> uh, uh, and so so this this friend came along with who just, he was just, they were just having their first child or just had their first child. And he he looked at me and he was like, Alex, when you're single or while you're single, enjoy being single. And when you're dating, enjoy dating. And when you're engaged, enjoy being engaged. And when you're married, enjoy being married. Uh, and when you have kids, enjoy having kids. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. But it's hard to get across to someone who wants to be in a different life stage. No, no, it's okay. And, and there's this great clip on the show, Modern Family, where one of the like the guy characters who's married with three kids uh, is asked a question about his friend. And um, his son says, like, what do you like about the guy? And he's like, well, he's just so free-spirited and he's always traveling here and there and he goes and volunteers in Africa and he rock climbs. And, and, and his little son says to him, like, how does he have time for all that? Uh, <laughs> and he says, oh, man, he got divorced. Like, yeah, his whole life opened up. He's living the dream. And then realizes his wife's, like, stood behind him yeah. and kind of turns around and is like, I mean, his dream. Like, it's not my dream. Like, <laughs> being married is my dream. That's <laughs> and, funny. And it's just that picture of, like, the grass is greener element. We tend to see parts of other people's life and say, I wish I could have that part. And realize that it, it's maybe not compatible with the phase of life we're in now, or it comes at a cost, or has a piece missing to it. Like there is a loneliness to being single that is different to any loneliness you'll experience being married. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't be lonely and married, but but it is different. Totally, um, totally. This is going to be really strange, but my middle child has called me twice, so I oh, just want to yeah, make yeah, sure there's not an emergency. Yeah. I'm going to call her real quick. Is Never that think okay? of Piper as your middle child. 
I know I it's so weird. It, I'm yeah. just, it's a big transition. So happens so, when they get to nine. Hey, welcome to the Red Couch po- podcast. We're live. Is it an emergency? <laughs> All right. <I'll... laughs> She's like, no, it's not an emergency. You can hang up with the phone now. All right. Hi, Piper. I'll call you later. Bye. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's, oh no. I just unplugged my little yeah, yeah. gadget. Yeah, yeah. My, my my youngest son has started to realize, like, I think he's realized I'm a bit scarier than his mother, even though I'm not, like, a particularly scary guy. But I do tend to, like, you know, when he does something wrong. And, and the other day I heard his mom found something, he'd done something that he shouldn't have done. And he was like, no, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. We don't need to talk about this. It was just an accident. It was just an accident. It's like... It's like, it's like, no, 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 don't take it any further. What's that over there? <laughs> That's, <laughs> I, I, well, I was, at first I was laughing because I was trying to think of you as scary. And then, totally. and, and then to a five-year-old, and then I'm I was huge. laughing because of his response. Cause that, that's so perfect. That's oh, man. so perfect. To an eight-year-old, I'm huge. Yeah. Um, we have some questions this week. Yeah. And I, we better get to them because we're already 36 minutes in. Are we really? Um, Are we really? So... We have one question here. What are your thoughts on, um, sorry, these are so tiny. I need to zoom in. I'm getting old. All right. So what are your thoughts on if the wife divorces the husband? Mm. What if there was a divorce due to uh, an abusive relationship? So like I said earlier, if this random statistic that I heard is correct, and I suspect it may not be that high, but I suspect at least in my experience, just knowing a bunch of married folks, it it does seem to be that well, way think, right think, now in what, society, at least in my circle of friends. What I would say is like men have this ability that's, that's not a positive thing to just trundle on causing misery to everyone around them in a selfish <laughs> way. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the should. number of... I can hear, I can hear my wife, my wife saying, "Amen to that." Yeah, yeah like the <laughs> causing number, misery to the, everyone. The number of guys I know that just like can continue on like this, like just yeah, completely selfish orientation and and be just be just content to let everyone else suffer around them is is startlingly high. Whereas women just don't don't seem to do that to the same degree. Now it's fascinating that like C.S. Lewis actually talks about this in the way that a guy who was single at the time can, can probably talk about it. What he would say is this, that the men think of, when you say to a man, don't be selfish, he means like, don't cause trouble for other people. When you say to a woman, don't be selfish, she means I need to do things for other people. So like a, a woman trying not to be selfish will, will potter around people and try and fix things potentially. Um, and so what C.S. Lewis would say is like a, a really unselfish woman can cause more emotional distress than anything but the most selfish man. Um, wow. Now, now, like, okay, he's, he's getting away with a lot as a single guy then. Uh, and, and he wrote that in the, the 50s when he wrote Screwtape Letters. But there was is- Was that what it was in? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was what it was in. So, so like, but there is some truth to the idea that, yeah, like, women think of serving others as the opposite of selfishness and men think as of, not, cause, other of people not, yeah, alone. not causing trouble as the opposite of selfishness. 
um, so like wow that's like, super interesting so so a guy can just get on with his own stuff and think i'm not being particularly selfish because i'm not causing any problems where whereas a woman looks at the situation and is like wait a second you're not doing anything to help me with all the things that i am trying to get done and all the weight that i feel like that's i super hold. selfish yeah um and she so, thinks he's being selfish. She thinks he's being yeah. selfish. And so I think there's yeah. some patterns where the guy can go on. And I hear this. I had a, a guy who pastored the church down the road from me in Detroit who nearly ended up getting divorced because his wife, like his wife asked him to sit down with her and talk about their marriage. And she said, would you rate our marriage between uh, one and, and 10? And he was like, yeah, like 9.5. Uh, and she was like, huh. I'd give us a zero. And he was like, what? Um, like everything's going great. And she's like, well, yeah, you go off to work and you work 60, 70 hours and you come home and like, I just do everything here and no one sees me and I'm invisible and all these different things. Um, and yeah, I just feel like I'm getting left behind as you plant mega church. And this church was at 10,000 people by this point. Um, and so they agreed to like, she said, I just feel like I just don't get anything done. I'm just so unproductive. I'm just existing. And so they agreed to go on a date and like talk about it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they sat down and, and she's pouring out all these emotions and all these feelings and stuff. And then she says, I've got to go to the bathroom. And he writes her a note while she's in the bathroom. And he, she comes back and, and uh, he hands it to her. And she said, I was expecting it to be this note of him telling me like how it did matter and how what I did mattered and um, how... Uh, like how proud he was of me. And I opened it and it was a list of 10 ways I could be more productive with my day. Um, and she said, she just stormed out the restaurant and, and he said the scariest that she yelled back as she walked out. Like, oh, and by the way, I know you think God told you to write that note, but that was not God speaking to you. And he said she was spot on. Like, I believed God had said, like, give her a list of ways she can be better about like being productive and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, and that just shows like some of those massive tensions between guys and girls and how they see the world and how they see what the other person Sheesh. needs. Yeah. And he could have carried on into infinity with the relationship as it was. And she was the one that was like, no, this isn't working. Um, yeah. And so, that, that so would like, back that. so that, yeah. yeah question, that, what are your thoughts on if the wife, divorces the husband. I mean, in in Jesus's day, that would have been not even an option. No, it's, I mean, powerless. No, no woman can divorce a man. And so we have to um, surmise some things. We have to make some like logical leaps from the text. Yeah. Because there isn't a one-to-one -one connection. Yeah. I, I mean, even if you think like, like if you wanted to get strict on the definition of adultery, in the Old Testament and even in the Gospels, like a man only commits adultery when he has sex with somebody else's wife. Because it's a polygamous culture, he can be married to as many people as possible, and there's nothing anywhere that suggests that a man who goes and sleeps with someone who's not married has committed adult adultery. Now, now, it might be wrong for other reasons, but it certainly doesn't class in the same territory. Um, yeah. So it's, it gets very, like, even when you think about the Old Testament, like, you know, do not cover another man's wife. It's not, do not cover a woman that you're not married to. It's, it's another, it's all about like that sense of. Yeah. So there's almost a property element to it, which we're super uncomfortable with today. 
Yeah, um, and so like you have to take the teachings of Jesus and then apply them to our cultural yeah. expression and with, um, well, with just frankly with the advancements in um, some sciences. Yeah. When it comes to around just being a woman in our society, mm -hmm. a lot of the barriers that a woman had to enter into society, enter into the workforce, yeah, enter into various different sorts of um, leadership, all these things have been, it's been leveled mm -hmm. in so many ways. So um, I think you'd have to make the, make the argument that it's the same kind of standards yeah. in principle for for divorce, whether you're a man or yeah, a and woman. it's interesting. Like I, I'm intrigued to see what you think about this because this is still something like I'm processing. I think in the midst of this series, it seems to me like a lot of the language around divorce in the Bible is around the leaving of a partner because of someone that you believe to to go with someone that you believe is better or preferable, or, or to move into a new relationship. Like, I don't think I see a lot that says, like, you can't get to a point where you say as a couple, this isn't working and we're both going to become celibate. Like, I, I'm not actually sure there's not anything that says that's not okay. Now, again, I could be wrong. That's still me processing pretty raw, like some of the 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 exact words I'm reading. But I actually don't know if that's not a different thing in lots of ways. Yeah, I mean, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 25 that would hint that, um, like, to a woman, her husband leaves her for another relationship. She's supposed to remain celibate in hopes that he'll change his mind. Wow, yeah. So anyway, that's getting a little bit of the weed. Yeah, so yeah. I hear... Here's what I want to maybe do to reframe this as a little bit of a... So there's two parts of this question. One is, what about if a wife divorces the husband? And then the second part yeah. is, what if there was a divorce due to an abusive relationship? I want to maybe counter both of those questions with a different um, sort of mindset. Mm. If your goal is to try and figure out what's the list of scenarios where it's okay... And what's the list of scenarios where it's not okay? The scriptures are going to be really hard to go to to get that really clear cut black and white list. Mm -hmm. Under these exact situations, if they yell at you seven times, mm. the eighth time you're allowed to divorce them mm. because that's verbal abuse or whatever. You know, if they. That's just not the posture Scripture uses mm. when it comes to marriage. The posture instead is what does love demand, mm. and it's so it's yeah. Divorce a wife, um, wives do divorce in our culture. They do, but the invitation for a wife is similar to the invitation for a, a for the husband in the sense that this is a covenant relationship, and they're supposed to self sacrificially love that person. And the posture initially is to do it self-sacrificially. Okay, I'm going to push back on that a second, because you do this to me all the time. Now Perfect. I get to do it to you for the first time. Um, so in the passage we just read, yeah. Jesus says, anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality. And so, so he gives a list. It's just really short. Like, why can't he add, like, for an abusive relationship? 
Like, why can't he, like, add some stuff that in our modern society, we would want him to add and say, no, surely, Jesus, you don't want people to stay in these terms. Um, like, like, he gives a list. Why isn't the list more extensive? Well, for the same reason that, like, laws around polygamy are really wacky in the Bible. <laughs> because God doesn't, God doesn't tend to offer scriptural command like there's very little that's like super black and white uh-huh. when it comes to the law mm. because over and over and over again it's like god's trying to find the best possible thing to advance his kingdom and and cultivate human thriving so what is it about sexual immorality that that makes it different then it's one of the most painful and destructive things mm. to a relationship i could see that yeah. it's supposed to be this sacred trust environment so when in Genesis, when God creates male and female and they're naked and mm-hmm. unashamed, that's not just bodies. Mm. That's like this emotional, relational language of them saying, you see me, all of me, mm. all of the brokenness, all of the weakness, all mm-hmm. of the sadness in my broken soul, yeah. and you choose to love me. I'm naked and unashamed mm. in your presence. And when you when someone commits adultery in that situation... It's like saying all of that is useless to me. It's mm. one of the most damaging relational things that can happen to a relationship. And so I think that because of, as Jesus says, their hardness of heart, and because this was happening for some reason, it, now it also says, Paul also says elsewhere, like, if you can stand staying, stay, stay. Yeah. So it's not saying if they commit to adultery, you have to divorce yeah. them. It's just an acknowledgement that as a mm. as a human, your soul's been shattered by mm-hmm. the decisions of this person, and there might not be a chance this relationship could ever be mm. fully restored. Yeah. So that's why it's an out. Yeah. Which is why, for the exact same reason, second part of the question: What about an abuse? Mm-hmm. That this relationship that's supposed to be established on trust. That be, be if they beat you constantly, mm. it's not exactly in a trusting environment. Yeah. There may not be a possibility for that relationship to be restored in the case of abuse. Yeah. Because um so yeah, there's my answers to those questions. I love a- it. Any yeah. thoughts on it? Yeah, it's so it's it's really hard for us to understand. Like we want Jesus to speak into our 21st century world, and I think he does. But there are also the there is also the, the recognition he's also speaking to the world in front of him, in a very direct way. Totally. Like like I I, I actually like one of my my five year old did something wrong, the um like outside the other day, so I smacked his 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 legs, and I had this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, like did someone see that? Like you know, is that like allowed today? I can't remember. Um, now of course like for millennia physical discipline has been the the way that the world has operated. Some people would argue that it's in the Bible that you have to do it, otherwise you're a bad parent. Totally. Now Spare also, this, like, yeah. as hard as it is for us to understand, there were many cultures where it was a man's job to discipline his wife as well. And, like, that to us <laughs> is, like, so far out of our mindset. Um. So, so like... So, like, there are things today that we, I think, rightly would say were abusive that another generation would have said, no, that's normal. 
Um, like, and, and so when you're talking about a, a piece of scripture that is given for all generations at all times, like that's going to feel like there's got to be bits of that. For that to work, there's got to be times we read it and say, that doesn't really feel like it speaks to our generation. Totally. But it can be hard for us to, to say, like, so, to be okay with that. Yeah, so here, um, so I, I mean, I just offered a, a framework for why divorce under, mm. the, under the circumstances of, of adultery and abuse is a viable option and still be within the heart of God or mm -hmm. allowed or quote unquote, again, this gets so muddy, like interpreting these kinds of things, these texts are so tricky because of the culture, because of um, all of these things. And the, the biggest reason why it's hard is because God's heart is so good, so loving, so beautiful that we have to filter these rules through the love of God. Mm. And when you say this is a hard, fast rule, if you break it, rule, you're going to hell. What? Like, yeah, what's the yeah, alternative? Yeah. Like, yeah. well, no, actually, God's love is so big mm. that He dies for His enemies. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so it's not a hell or not yeah. hell issue. So then, what's my barometer? Yeah. And you have to start going into the the we the weeds and the mud of the complexity of broken human relationship yeah. and say, what does love demand? What does love demand? What does And love I think demand? this is one of those hard things like pastorally where my, my, I would be honest and say my counseling, like it, it kind of pushes up against my scriptural reading. Like if someone comes to me okay. and says, I'm in an abusive relationship, I'm like, get, get, find yourself a safe place. Like don't stay there. And I'm, I'm really comfortable saying that. Like I say yeah. that, I've said that multiple times to people. Um, yep. It's then it's time to, it's time to rent an apartment. It's time to go to a hotel. It's time to, time to get the police involved. Um, yeah. like, you know, all those different things. Um, and I feel like I can say that and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting God's heart. I don't always understand like how it fits into passages like this, where I want, if I'm honest, Jesus to say something like, oh, by the way, if he hits you, get out. Like I, I want him to say things like that. Totally. And for whatever reason he doesn't. Well, yeah. And we'll get more into that the next week, mm -hmm. which is the week I'm preaching. Yeah. Cause I'm going to get into some of those weeds. So maybe we can leave that question yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause we yeah. are approaching an hour and we have one more question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so my promise maybe, or hope is that the next week's episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast, we can actually get more into the subject of abuse and like this, what about these lines and mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so the next question is pretty long. There's, there's all this like nonsense about them liking our podcast or something. I don't know. They're probably lying to us. But then the main question is like, when, my question is, when will... God provide me with a Proverbs 31 wife. And so Proverbs 31 is this famous passage of scripture where it outlines like essentially scripture's perfect wife. She, and, and it's got some interesting aspects to it, right? Because there's things that don't fit today's culture either. Like, you if know, you find a Proverbs 31 <laughs> woman, she's definitely in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you should just like yeah. worship. <laughs> and she also still knows how to work a loom, which is a rare gift set. I don't, I don't see that. I don't think that's on Tinder. Um, Good old Proverbs 31 has crushed many a woman's soul. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and, and, and actually, we can be honest and say for both men and women, the standard of, and we'll push into this in multiple weeks, I think, in the, the next five weeks. There's, there's multiple times where when you read scripture, you're like, oh, I am not the husband I should be. Like, we'll get to Ephesians chapter five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Uh, and you like instantly most guys in the room with any kind of perception, self-perception want to bury their heads um, in, in the pillows. Like you're like, oh, like really? Can you not just add something about video games? Or yeah, like instead? How, about, how about husband loves your wives as fill in the blank, any other human <laughs> loved their wife, I might be able to, okay, yeah, but yeah, as yeah. Christ loved the yeah. church, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So there's like, the, there's a lot that, of scripture that's demanding of us personally. And Proverbs yes. 31, if you take that literally, I'm just going to read some snippets um, for a second, because I think, you know, we need a, we need a good, at least some perception of what this talks about. That's my Bible app gone. Yeah, my, my wife's been looking for the gates of the city to sell her products for ages, <laughs> and she just cannot find the gates of the city. Where are the gates of Denver? <laughs> um, uh, she's like, she's we weaving our children's clothing together and all these things. A wife yeah. of noble character, who can find? So there's maybe the answer to the question. Like, you know, maybe this person doesn't exist. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Laura's terrible with wool work. Actually, no, she's very good with wool. Not so good with flax. She My is wife's like, good with flax, so... No, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. So she's definitely in charge. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks she sees that her trading is profitable. So she's a day trader. Um, <laughs> yes. And her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. All of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat amongst the elders of the land. She makes linen and garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also when he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all yeah so here my 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 first answer to this question is um if you want a proverbs for 31 woman step one make enough money so that she has a many servants like this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm pretty sure my wife might actually be a hundred percent the proverbs 31 if she had if she seven had servants to work servants for, yeah, yeah, to yeah. Work for her. yeah there's, so there's this moment in in jane austen's pride and prejudice they're talking about like what makes a um what what makes a accomplished woman and between the four people in the room they come up with a list and, and the main character elizabeth bennett says like 
I don't think such a woman exists. Like, I've certainly never met one, and she would be a fearsome creature to behold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like the same feeling you have here. You're like, who can do yeah, all this like stuff? Like, I don't know. I just still, I like chuckle because it's like, the biggest one of the biggest barriers for most women is they just don't have servants. Now, yeah. Now, <laughs> yes. now there are some things that maybe you'd extrapolate in the 21st century. You'd yes. look at the noble character piece um, and think about like the value of that. Uh, like she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Like the, there's some beautiful elements there. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so really like maybe the question could be rephrased for us as a South community of like, I'm looking for someone who's living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Um, totally. Now, but I want to flip this question again. Yeah, I love it. I love it when you do that. I think this is, again, the wrong question. What's the right question? I think what maybe a different question is, how do I become the equivalent of the Proverbs 31 man? Mm. Because that's the only thing you actually have power for. Yeah. Like, you don't have control of, like, and you can prayerfully seek, and obviously don't choose the, the, the wicked woman of Proverbs or the any of those sorts of things that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is like put the emphasis back on how do i become the kind of person um that that someone is looking for mm. which may be getting a little bit into where you're going this week it might be i mean i i would say i would agree with you i i think a question i would ask is when it comes down to it and you have to pick if you have to pick and and we're, this week we'll talk about really the 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 one for you is the one you chose yeah. um like the, there's elements to that that like <laughs> yeah uh, how do you know if they're the one well you get married and then they're the yeah, one yeah 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 yeah. it's kind of like same as being in a church like how yeah. do you choose a church pick one stay there um uh, in verse 30 he says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised and if i'm honest most guys I know, their major interest is in how somebody looks. Yeah. So, so like, there, there is an intentional, like, maybe you can never avoid that completely, but there is a recognition that, like, oh, it's not just as simple as that. I, I had a, a, a friend totally. that was dating a girl, and I, my first red flags for the dating relationship were was that he was always talking about, like, how attractive she was and these different qualities about her. And and actually, whenever we got to talking about the rest of her, he didn't seem so keen at all. Huh? Like it was like, oh, she's kind of this, she's kind of this. Yeah, but she's really good looking. And and there's a lot of guys that like that's the dream, right? Um, yeah, I, I've told guys before, or I actually have told guys and girls, like when you're looking for someone the most important quality is do they love Jesus more than they totally. ever will love you? And so one of my... that's the only safety net. Yeah. Like if that's there, yeah. it's the safety net that will heal so many wounds. And if it's not there, you should be terrified. Yeah. And one of my encouraging <laughs> signs that like I was on the right track with when I met Laura was uh, I loved so much about her conversation and her heartbeat and how she, she talked about Jesus, what she was doing, how she talked about reading, how she talked about life. Um... And then I was flying home with a friend after I'd met her and she kind of had spotted there was this spark and she kind of looked at me. She was like, oh, Alex, she's really pretty. And I had this moment where I was like, oh, yeah, no, she really is. Um, but, but it wasn't the driving thing. Yeah. Um, there was another, there was a depth to it. 
So I guess maybe my encouragement to the person that wrote this question is listen to the rest of the series, but also when you meet people, uh, look for depth. Um, yes. Look beneath the surface. And they are going to need something, some deeper character to survive you. Mm-hmm. Totally. And vice versa. Yeah. You need a, a certain kind of character to survive them. And isn't, <laughs> isn't that some of the beauty of like developing a marriage that works is realizing that all the things you realize you have to survive about the person that you're married to, there's just as many things about you that they yep. have to survive. Totally. Absolutely. Um, and we'll get into some of that in the next few weeks. Oh, which yes. Is fun. Well, we're over an hour. Oh, good, man. good job, us. Yeah, good job, us. Well, we did pause uh, for a Bible study and a historical yeah, study. We'll go and... back and we'll delete the boring sort of start and we'll we'll come back to like, you know. Yeah. Well, if you haven't subscribed or liked or commented, we're supposed to say that from time to time. So you know what to do. If you don't, this, you can Google it. Yes. You should listen to a podcast about how to treat podcasts that you like. <laughs> <laughs> or when to break up with your podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. See y'all. Have a good one. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.